Amen. Let's turn our Bibles tonight to Acts chapter number 20. Acts chapter number 20. do appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to be with the adult Bible study this morning. And uh, I do thank you for uh, taking it easy with me with the whole shuffleboard thing. And uh, they were talking about how competitive they were and I didn't see it. But I guess it's a little different when the visiting preacher is not there. So, but... Uh, Anyhow, Acts chapter number 20, look at verse number 17. The Bible says, And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Let's pray together tonight. Father, we... Ask for your blessing tonight upon your word. Lord, I pray that as we come before you, that we could leave all the cares, all the, the pressing things of this world outside of this place tonight. Father, I ask that you would have a hold of each heart tonight, that you would have their attention. And Lord, that you would indeed speak to us. Father, I pray that we would leave here changed that you would challenge us this evening. We want you to meet with us. Father, do something in this place tonight. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to our text in Acts chapter 20, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. His desire is to obviously bear some fruit in Jerusalem as he had in many other places. And he was was trying to make it to Jerusalem before Pentecost. And of course, being under the time constraints and having a desired schedule, he chose to sail by Ephesus. And I suspect that he did not want to get caught up there hindering his timetable and maybe preventing him from being there for the Feast of Pentecost. However, he did sail by Ephesus. He came to Miletus. And of course, Miletus was a port city. It was, as far as I can tell, approximately 30 kilometers south of Ephesus. And from there, he called for the elders of the church at Ephesus to come and meet him. 
And in verse number 18, as we read, uh, we see that he began to give them kind of a recap and a rundown of his history with them in in Ephesus. He mentions there in verse number 18 that uh, when they were come to him, he said unto them, you know, from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you all at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations, which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. He mentions there how he came, he served with humility of mind. He mentions his many tears and temptations uh, with the things that had gone on there. You remember back in Acts chapter 19, uh, and I'm not going to turn there for the sake of time tonight, but when Paul had entered into Ephesus, as his manner was, he went right into the synagogue and he began to dispute and persuade the things concerning the kingdom of God. The Bible tells us there that he did that for three months. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Most days I can be dumb as a box of rocks. But what I know is that when you've got to dispute something and you've got to persuade people about something, there is some opposition there. There is some resistance. And Paul met that resistance in Ephesus. The Bible says that eventually, uh, as diverse were hardened and believed not, uh, he continued his ministry for about two years in the school of one named Tyrannus. And I, I think there were some victories along the way, but there were some troubles. Uh, you'll remember that uh, our brother Fry had mentioned it the, the other night, uh, how people had brought uh, their, their books and, and all those things, and they had a big bonfire. They got rid of those things. And of course, there was the matter with Demetrius. Him and his band of idle craftsmen got together, and they didn't like that their prophets were being cut by the preaching of the gospel. And listen, I want to encourage you tonight as believers, you're going to find that the world does not like it when the gospel being preached will cut into their prophets. Listen, when the gospel changes somebody's life, when they start living for the Lord Jesus Christ and they put the bottle away and they set the drugs aside, you are going to find that people are not going to like that. They're going to get upset. And that's what happened in Ephesus. And that's the things that Paul had to deal with. Listen, he reminded them that while he was there, he held nothing back for them. He taught publicly and from house to house. Listen, he laid it all on the table. Just a few verses later in verse 27, he says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. You know, Paul came to Ephesus preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified. He came preaching the whole counsel of God. And he's talking... These men, this is the same bunch that he had spent over two years with laboring side by side. He had gathered them together with him in Miletus. And notice in verse number, 20, uh, verse number 25, he says, And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. This is really Paul's final farewell to those friends, those co-laborers, those ones that had labored beside him, his brethren there at Ephesus. And he expects some trouble in Jerusalem, just like he has seen trouble everywhere else in his ministry. He says there in verse number 22, it says, Now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. 
Listen, he doesn't know what's going to happen. He's telling these people that, listen, I'm not going to see you anymore. This is it. This is the last time we are going to look face to face. And here he gives them some parting charges. You know, I just wanted you to look at verse 22 down to verse 24. He says, And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know, Paul realized that bonds and afflictions were part of his ministry. You know, I mentioned this morning at the Bible study how that when Paul had preached the gospel at Derbe and Lystra, of course, he got taken out of the city and he, he was stoned. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 14, verses 21 and 22, it says, and when they had preached the gospel to that city, he had gone right back in and preached. And he had taught many. They returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith and that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Listen, it didn't matter where Paul found himself. He was feeling that hand of the persecutor. He was feeling the hand of affliction and he was getting it poured onto him. Listen, he was sure that it would not be any different in Jerusalem. He didn't know what was going to happen, but what he knew is that the Holy Ghost testified, obviously, that this is what was happening everywhere he went. He had to face that. And here he was heading up to Jerusalem. You've got to remember that he was once a Pharisee, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as he said in Philippians chapter 3. He was a student of Gamaliel, a well-respected man in those circles. And now he was preaching the faith that he had once sought. Notice what he says there in verse 24. He says, so that I might finish my course with joy. And the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know, this was the desire of Paul's heart to finish his course. To finish the ministry that he had received of the Lord, which was testifying the gospel of the grace of God. You know, I think he echoes that in Philippians chapter number 3. In Philippians chapter number 3, in verse 13 and 14, he says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Listen, as we look toward the time when the sun finally does set on Paul's life. He writes to his student, Timothy. And if you remember 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, you remember what he says? He says, I have fought the good fight. And what does he say next? I have finished my course. Amen. I have kept the faith. 
Listen, his desire expressed to the elders at Ephesus was that he would finish his course with joy. And what a blessing to read later on that he could testify that he did in fact finish that. That he completed it, that he got it done. You know, this evening, I I want you to think about this, but that ought to be your heart's desire tonight, is to finish your course. It ought to be to complete and to finish your ministry. If you are saved here tonight, like Paul, you should have that drive to finish your course. And that's, of course, the one regarding the testifying of the gospel of the grace of God. If you could just bear with me tonight, really, I want to present to you the problem of Bethel Baptist Church. And I don't want you to sit there thinking, well, what's he going to talk about? Because honestly, I believe it's the problem with Beaver Valley Baptist Church as well. I think it's the problem with a lot of churches that are there today. And I think, although many have a desire to finish, I think the problem is, is many have stopped finishing. They have a desire to finish, but they've stopped finishing. And you say, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm here tonight. I could have been somewhere else doing something else, but I decided to come to this meeting and I was here Sunday. I heard you Sunday morning. I was here Monday evening. I was here to hear Brother Fry Sunday night. And listen, you may not miss an activity. You may not miss a church service, but the truth is, is you may be here tonight and you may have already quit. You know what concerns me, preacher? I wonder how many people in churches today are present, but in their mind they've already thrown in the towel. Bodily they may be present, but their heart is far from where it ought to be. Paul here had a desire to finish his course. You know, people today will put on a facade, they will provide a presentation to fool those around them. But in their heart, many times, they can stop concerning, about that, stop concerning themselves about that course, about the ministry, about testifying the gospel of the grace of God. And I wonder, is that you today? Is that you? All the his desire uh, that it was to finish his course but tonight I just want you to see a couple of things with me and really I want you to think about these two things because I think there are two things that are going to stop you from finishing your course it's going to be the two things that stop you from fulfilling that ministry that God has given to you And I see him here in this passage in verse number 24. I want you to look first of all with me in verse number 23. Uh, It says there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But notice what he says in verse number 24, but none of these things move me. You know, I've already mentioned that Paul didn't know what would happen to him when he went to Jerusalem. He knew that that he went, he faced those bonds, he faced those afflictions, uh, but he says there in verse 24, none of these things moved me. 
Listen, even though God had allowed a steady diet of persecution along the way, he was not going to be moved. He wasn't going to be shifted. He wasn't going to be taken away from that course that he was on. He wasn't going to let that stop him. He wasn't going to let that slow him down. He was not going to let affliction stop him from finishing his course. I've noticed in our time, in our day, that Christianity has gotten to a place where They want everything comfortable. Everything's got to be comfortable. It's all about comfort. They want everything easy. You know, uh, we've gotten to a place where uh, we are a far cry from what things were like in the first century. You know, we talk a lot about being a, uh, you know, uh, we got to be a first century church and, uh, you know, we got to be like it was in the first century. But I want to tell you today that we have gone a long way from that. Everything today seems to be about comfort. Everything today has to be pleasant. Everything today has to be full of amusement, has to be full uh, of enjoyment. Now, I'm not against uh, the odd fun here and there. I appreciated those songs, Brother Fry. But along the way, people have got it in their heads that everything has to be fun. Everything has to be entertaining. Everything has to be amusing. And listen, when something stops being fun, when something stops being entertaining, when something stops being amusing, then hey, listen, it's time to get out. That's not the Christianity I see in the Scriptures. I want you to look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Let me show you the fun, enjoyable, the pleasant, amusing Christianity that we see in the Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and look at verse number 23. I like to call this Paul's resume. I don't know, you can call it whatever you want. The Bible says in verse number 23, the Bible says, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. He says, I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Look at verse 24, because this is where we start seeing the fun. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Verse 25, it says, thrice I was beaten with rods. Uh, That's big fun. Once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, and night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. I'm going to be honest with you. I get so weary when people come to me and say, Pastor, this is what we used to do when I was younger and I was here. This is what we used to do. And why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? And listen, it's not that I'm against these things. But the problem is, is 
Many times they want those things because it's comfortable. It's easy. It's fun. You know what, many times, you know what church can become, I mean, the only thing that's preventing a church sometimes from being like a circus is a couple dancing bears and a few lions. You know, in all my years, I've never had one person come to me saying, Preacher, how come we can't get stoned? Have you ever heard that? Preacher, uh, why can't I get beaten with stripes? Not once. Not once has anybody come and said, hey, preacher, uh, why can't some of those things that happened to Paul there in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, why can't that happen to us? Maybe we can start a ministry where uh, we can get beaten, where we can have these things happen to us. Uh, Listen, because today it seems to be all about a relaxational Christianity. You know, I think about my Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he did. You know, I just start off, I think about it, I have a hard time just how to fathom how after three and a half years walking with a person who was his friend, how we could deal with that betrayal. I have a difficult time understanding what that would be like. And then, of course, then being led to a trial, uh, being mocked, being spit on, the Son of God being spit on, being made a spectacle before the whole world, a joke, a mockery. And after being sentenced by Pilate, he had the lovely privilege of being scourged. I think sometimes we forget that His flesh would have been torn right off his body. You know, when he bore that cross and began his journey to be nailed there on the tree, he would have looked like a walking piece of bloody flesh. Preacher, we want everything to be fun. You know, I'm so glad that nowhere along the way did he say, you know what, this just isn't my thing. I think I'm going to stop this. Nowhere along the way did he say, you know what, this just, this just doesn't please me anymore. Angels, come on down. Aren't you thankful that He didn't stop. You want to study in contrast? Compare all the things that couldn't keep Jesus Christ from his course, from him dying on the cross, and line it up to all the things that keep you from finishing yours. Think about it. Think about all the things that couldn't keep Jesus Christ from getting to that tree and being nailed on that tree. And what are those things that keep you from serving the Lord? 
Man, what a difference. You know, Brother Fry mentioned it well last night, quoting 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. All those who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know, I remember a time when people, people desired to hear convicting preaching. Now it seem, seems that people just want the things that will tickle the ear. They want to hear those things that will go down nice and smooth. And, you know, I'm going to be honest. We preach from a Bible that a lot of it is negative. But today, the majority that seems to be preached is everything that's positive. I'm not against those positive things. But listen, we can't gloss over those things, that, uh, those negative things. Listen, today nobody would dare say something that would upset the delicate, fragile sensitivities of someone who needs to hear the truth. Folks, we live in a day where believers are being moved by affliction. All the persecution, all the things that come down in their lives, they're being moved by it. Paul here wanted to finish his course. He wanted to fulfill that ministry. He wanted to complete it. And praise God, he did. But he got there by saying, you know what? None of these things are going to move me. None of these things are going to take me away from me. Listen, you can bring it on. You can stone me. You can give me stripes. You can do whatever you want. But you know what? I'm going to stay the course. And I'm going to continue on. And I'm not going to let it slow me down. I love what, the apost- what it says about the apostles in Acts chapter 5, verse 41. Look back with me at Acts chapter 5. The Bible says in, the, in verse 41 of Acts chapter number 5, the Bible says, And they departed from the presence of the council... And I love this part, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Think about that. They were told, listen, you don't go preaching Jesus Christ anymore. They were beaten. And the Bible says they departed rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Listen, they saw it as worthy to suffer for his name. It's because they saw his name as worthy. Folks, if you want to finish your course with joy like Paul, man, you need to stay steadfast through affliction. You need to be prepared and ready for affliction. You need to be ready to suffer shame for his name. And you need to get this thought out of your head. You need to drive it far away that everything about Christianity is going to be comfortable. That it's always going to be easy. That it's always going to be fun and relaxing and things like that. Because I want to tell you that it's not. I want to show you the second thing. That Paul says here back in our text in Acts chapter number 20. The Bible says in verse number 24. Notice that next phrase. He says, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. You know, I hear a lot of people talk about all the 
the plagues and problems in our society today. And I'm not going to take the time to give you a list and give you statistics tonight. We know there's a problem with alcohol usage. We know that there is an issue with drug usage in our country. We know that there are laws that are coming that are, are take it to the very next level. We know that many struggle with addictions, uh, you know, uh, whether it be to these uh, things like alcohol, drugs, pornography, and all these kind of things. But tonight, I, I want you to think about uh, something, and you may disagree with me, that's fine. But I see here in verse number 24, I think probably one of the greatest enemies to your service for Jesus Christ. You know, all those things that I spoke of seem to prey on the weak, just as a wolf would on a flock of sheep, just going for those stragglers on the outside. But I see something here that's going to get right to the heart. And it's going to destroy things from the inside out. I don't want to diminish those things that I mentioned in any way, but I want you to notice in verse number 24, just two words. Paul says there in that phrase, I think it may be two of the most disgusting and vile words in the whole canon of Scripture, especially for the Christian. And listen, tonight, my desire is not to be crude. My desire is not to be rude. I do not want to frighten your little children. I do not want to send you home with nightmares, but it's in the Bible. I do want to read it to you. Are you ready? Here are the words, and I want you to listen carefully. My life. My life. That ought to frighten you. I think that's the number one enemy you may have tonight. It is my life. Tonight you may be here without Jesus Christ. Be here and you may not be sure where you are going to spend eternity. And uh, listen, uh, I want to be honest. Oftentimes one of the greatest enemies of you believe in the gospel and trusting Christ as your savior, it's your life. It's that phrase, my life. You know, I remember a time, and many of you have heard my testimony before, uh, I was driving to a work uh, placement, a a job at the University of Waterloo, and and I was driving with a friend, and many of you know Andy Bug, and uh, one day we were on our way to work and we got to witness a bus accident. A gentleman had slid into the front of a, a bus, a school bus. We had ran up. We had actually stopped to help somebody. Uh, It was the first snowfall and someone had slid off into a ditch. We had pulled over to help them get out of the ditch. And as we pulled over, we heard the crash. We ran up to to see if we could do anything. And I remember looking into the vehicle and uh, there was a gentleman in there that was turning different colors. Man, I had seen death on TV. I had seen uh, uh, death in movies, but I had never seen it in real life. And I want to tell you, it shook me up. I remember getting in the car that evening after work. We had gotten to work a little bit late, and and we had left. And uh, that's when Andy started to talk to me about Jesus Christ. 
Uh, he had uh, kind of made mention earlier than that, but he really put a focus on it. And he began to witness to me and, and wanting to, uh, you know, he asked me about where would I go when I die? Would, would you go to heaven if you were to die today? And he would say things like that. And I'd say, what is this guy talking about? I, I would kind of shoo him away. And, and, and then uh, I noticed that as the days progressed and we would go uh, to this, uh, this job that we were at three days a week. And it seemed like every day, this was early November this happened, every day he was trying to tell me, why don't you come and visit our church? Why don't you come and the church is Bethel Baptist Church. But you know why I didn't come? of my life I had my life listen the stuff that he was trying to tell me about it was going to have an effect on my life and I didn't want to listen to what he had to say and I was afraid that if I had come here that maybe something would happen with my life listen tonight you need to realize it's pretty simple we are all sinners Uh, We were born sinners. And listen, being a sinner, you are short of the glory of God. You you are uh, basically, without Jesus Christ, you are basically abiding in, you are awaiting the wrath of God. It is really just as simple as that. And tonight, don't think that you can cheat death. Listen, I understand there's people out there that are doing research and, and, I mean, they're doing all kinds of things with genetics. And I know their goal is to somehow that they can produce life, a life that won't end and they can conquer death. And I want to tell you tonight that there's only been one man who has ever conquered death and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he did it when he came up out of the grave. And he's here tonight to offer you that same life. If you're here tonight without Jesus Christ, don't go to hell because of my life. All you have to do is recognize the truth of your sinful condition before God and turn to his son, Jesus Christ. Believing that he died for you on the cross of Calvary. Can I encourage you tonight? Don't let your life get in the way of eternity. Christian, I want you to think about that phrase, my life. You know, many today are not finishing their course because, you know what, they're totally entirely consumed with their life. Listen, it seems today everything is about we got to have a house and we got to have a certain amount of cars. We have to have that successful career. We have to have the family. You know, we have to have the church we can call home. And the truth is, it's all about what we can have, it seems. It's all about what we can get for ourselves, what we can have for our own, and the things that we can have. And I, I hate to say it, but it seems like we have a selfish Christianity, and I want you to know that selfish Christianity is an oxymoron. You know, so many times we don't want our kids to miss out on all the things that we had, and we want our children to have all the things that we didn't. 
And our whole goal is to say, hey, let's, this is what we want to have because it becomes all about my life. Sometimes I think, we, you know, prayer time, we, I wonder sometimes if God thinks it's disgraceful. How many times did, did this, uh, our prayer time become about how God can bless us? I want you to think about it. How many times we go to the Lord and we, we bow our heads and we start asking for God for all the things that we want to consume upon ourselves and all the things that we don't have and we want God to provide this. And Honestly, it seems like many people pray like God is a genie in a lamp and all they have to do is just rub the lamp a little harder so that they can get their three wishes. That is not our God. Notice what Paul says there in verse 24. Let me read the whole phrase again. He says, neither count I my life dear unto myself. Do you know what helped Paul finish his course? It's the fact that his life wasn't dear unto him. It wasn't about Paul. I wonder tonight, is your life dear unto you? Is it all about you? You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, he says, What? Know ye not uh, that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God? And listen, I want you to hear this next part. He says, And ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Did you hear that part there? And ye are not your own? He paid for us. You're bought with a price. I love what he wrote to the Corinthians later on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. He says, For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. Look at verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Did you hear that part where it says they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves? I'm convinced that it's in there because God meant it. You are to present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. The Bible says that's your reasonable service. Whose life is your life. Is your life or your Savior more dear unto you? Listen, Paul wanted to finish that course. He wanted to fulfill that ministry. He wanted to complete that ministry. And he did it by not counting his life dear unto himself. Listen, if you want to finish your course, you're going to have to come to the place where your life is not dear to yourself. Where it's not all about you. Let me close with this. Several weeks ago, I was reading in my Bible and I was reading through the book of Exodus. And I came across that account 
and I'm sure you're probably familiar with it in Exodus chapter 32. The Bible tells us how Moses had delayed his coming down from the mountain. He was receiving Israel's covenant from God, and Israel, of course, was waiting at the base of the mountain. And as I read that, I was reminded once again of Israel's sad history. As Moses delayed his return, the people came to Aaron and demanded that he make them gods. So Aaron collected their gold, he melted it down, he fashioned a golden calf for them. And they worshipped that calf. You know, many times I would read that passage and I would think to myself, how, how could they have done that? I mean, you may have read the same thing. I mean, you think about uh, all the plagues that occurred in Egypt and how Israel were protected from those things in Goshen and, and how God had, uh, you know, uh, slain the, the firstborn and God protected Israel with the Passover. And, and uh, then, of course, we see them come to the Red Sea and God part the Red Sea and we see things like the, uh, the bitter waters at Marah and how God turned the bitter waters sweet. And, and we see uh, where God had, uh, gave them water from a rock and things that just defy our intelligence. He sent down manna from heaven. And after all that, Moses has delayed his coming just a little bit. And they're already there worshiping a golden calf. And I couldn't help but think, how different is that from today? As Jesus is up in the mount, as he delays his coming, I can't help but to think that we got a couple golden calves set up. We got the the golden calf of comfort over here. And then we got the the golden calf of my life. And I'm telling you, it's going to keep you from finishing your course. If you're saved here tonight, why not, like Paul, determine to finish your course so that like him, one day you can testify, just like he did in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Paul wasn't moved by affliction. It wasn't about Paul's comfort. And he wasn't counting his life dear unto himself. And friend, if you're here tonight without Jesus Christ, tonight would be a good time to start the course. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I pray tonight that you would just bless this invitation. That you would speak to hearts. I pray that your word would fall on good ground and bring forth fruit in our lives. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.